Community Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I'm your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we're speaking with Linda Harper. Linda is a lifelong animal lover and advocate, author, and has been a clinical psychologist in the Chicago area for over 30 years. As founder and past director of a foster-based program, she understands the physical, mental, and emotional stress that comes with this heart-driven work. Her passion is to help people who help animals unblock the natural flow of compassion that can contribute to burnout, compassion fatigue, and depletion. She's a frequent speaker at animal welfare conferences and gives workshops to help animal lovers face the unique challenges of this life-saving work. She also facilitates the Pet Loss Support Group for the Chicago Veterinary Medical Association. She's the author of four books, including her most recent, The Power of Joy in Giving to Animals, with forward and contribution by Faith Maloney, co-founder of Best Friends Animal Society. Linda, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Hi, thanks, Stacy. Thanks for having me. Sure. And so I just would like to uh, open up with finding out a little bit more about your background. How did you develop a passion for animals? Well, I think that's just one of those natural things that uh, that people have. And I kind of remember having it at probably about age two or three, or at least that's what my mom and dad told me. But then when I was 12, my dad and I were talking about what I wanted to do when I grew up. So I said I wanted to help animals. And then he said to me, well, that's wonderful, but why not help people first? So I decided to become a psychologist. And now here I am getting to live with both my passions by helping people help animals. So have you always been a psychologist with a focus on animals or did you previously work just with people, I guess? Yeah, I, I guess I've always favored animal people. I love animal people, but I did include uh, regular people also in my practice. And then actually in 2001, Faith Maloney from Best Friends, she started to see how much burnout and compassion fatigue really needed to be addressed in the conferences, the national conferences that Best Friends was doing. And so she started to talk on that and then decided, hey, I need an expert. And I had just written a book for the general public on how to take care of yourselves. And she had come across that. So then she said, hey, want to want to be a duet. So then we started doing this, like whatever that is, almost 20 years ago. That's great. So so we talk about compassion fatigue, we talk about stress, we talk about burnout. We're all very passionate people. We're very involved in our day-to-day activities, helping animals, whether we're out trapping those cats at two o'clock in the morning or bottle feeding those kittens. What are the signs of things that we should be looking at within ourselves or our colleagues that would identify compassion fatigue, burnout, or things that we should be really worried about? Yes, and there are definitely signs. Now, the the one statement I like to always make just so that we animal people understand is really feeling depleted, having compassion fatigue, signs of burnout. This isn't really a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And when we experiencing these kinds of things, it's not because 
we're weaker than others or we have some personality deficiency. It's because of the unique challenges that we face and we are compassionate people. And without some kind of tools, if we just try to follow our hearts, we're going to put ourselves on the back burner. That's what's just naturally going to happen, which is the I discovered even myself as a psychologist who should have known better. When I started my own foster-based program, I didn't listen to a word I had said in my book about give to your heart's content without giving yourself away. So I realized it is really, there are these challenges with our, our hearts wanting to help the animals. And so that's the first thing I like to say. But I look at the whole spectrum of symptoms or signs that we're going too far. And basically what it means is this natural compassion that we have is becoming blocked because we're not letting that compassion go to ourselves and others as well as to the animals. So we start feeling tired. We wake up in the morning. One person I counseled called it dread in the bed, where it just feels too much to face the morning. We might get sick more often, harder time to get well. We may experience ourselves as more negative. We don't trust people anymore, and we don't know how to find joy. That'd be some of them. Yeah, I think physical signs are very important. I mean, there are times when I had little kids and I was having problems, almost sort of like semi-panic attacks and those kinds of things at a certain period of time when, when I was in the thick of things. And being able to know your boundaries and having a community that respects the fact that you are creating boundaries. I had periods of time where I would try and create boundaries to be able to sort of protect myself. And other people didn't understand that, that I, I needed that. So there's so many components in this topic of, you know, how do we communicate with others? How do we communicate if we're an employee? How do we communicate with our, our employer about these situations? That is such a good point, because a lot of times it's the employer or the founder or the director, they're running on empty as well. Everybody ends up running on empty and hoping the other person can somebody else can come through for them so it really takes a a belief in how important it is to take care of ourselves to be in it in the long run so that we can continue to model it even when we are feeling like people are upset with us because we're not stretching beyond what we can stretch to, but we know we need to do that. So it's really starting to, we have that inner wisdom inside. We all know what we need to keep on going. We just ignore it when we instead are trying to deal with more animals in need than any one of us can possibly do. So it does take a belief in it. We need to really believe, and that's part of what I feel my mission is, is to help animal people realize you must take care of yourself. And it's not, partly it's because this is your life and you deserve a good life, but it's also that is the way you're going to be able to help more animals. And also equally important, you're going to attract more people to the movement of helping more animals. We don't want to just 
live with that reputation of being a crazy animal person or a crazy cat lady. We need to show that there's joy in what we do. You can have a normal life and still do what you do so that more people say, hey, yeah, let's join them because we know we always need more people on board with what we're doing. Yeah. So how do we address that, the question of how, like how can we help ourselves and how can we help help others, either as an employer or as a colleague? What's the first step for us to help improve our sort of feeling of of overwhelmness or whatever. I mean, I feel like you get in this sort of spiral. You can't even just stay at a level. You get you can't just keep going down and you can't even stop it. It's that quicksand thing. So how do you even pull yourself sort of up and out of that quicksand? Right. That what's interesting is the answer. Here it is compassion that gets us feels like that's what's getting us into this situation. And the answer is that same compassion that we have, because compassion is infinite. We don't need to worry about uh, limiting our compassion. Compassion is actually the answer, but we need to expand it to include ourselves and others and the greater whole of compassion, the greater whole of being in this for the long run. So the very first step when I'm giving my workshops or teaching people where to start is, is what I call be human. We forget that we're just humans with needs and feelings and limits. When we get into our animal helping mode, we really act as if we think we're superhuman and forget that we can't live on two hours of sleep and that we have families and other people want our attention to. We forget that. And so that's often the starting point because until we recognize we're human, we're not even going to think to take care of ourselves. And people will say to me, oh, yeah, I'm going to do something for myself in about three weeks. I should be able to do that. But it's really realizing what do you need to do every day being the human who you are? What do you need to do? And we all have that answer inside. It's just a matter of embracing it and realizing it's part of the whole picture. The Tao Te Ching has a, my favorite quote, compassionate toward yourself you reconcile all beings in the world. So it's embracing that idea first. So would you be able to give some examples of what of what you have done or folks that you've worked with? What are the sort of simple habits that has been that sort of first step? Like the first one, you know, I'll I'll throw an example of, you know, just five minutes of meditating in the morning or something like that. What what other examples might there be? That that's a perfect example right there. That's actually even one of mine. So it's funny that you would you would say that one. It might be and when I'm doing these workshops, we talk right then and there as to what can you commit to right this minute that you're gonna start to do every day for yourself. So when we're talking about this I don't talk about what do you hope to do? Okay, yeah, I'm going to start going on uh, one-week vacations. It's no. What will you do right now that you'll commit to every day? So, for example, five minutes of meditation. Somebody might say, well, I better make it three minutes because it needs to be really looking inside and saying, what can I do? Others have said things like, well, okay, I will, I'll shut off my phone at eight o'clock or I won't check text messages beyond a certain time, or I will give myself 
10 minutes for breakfast instead of the two-minute bagel in the car. So it can be things as tiny as that, but it's what can that individual person do, which is so interesting even when I'm discussing tools with people. It's realizing you know what you need. So if I tell you to go to bed by 10 o'clock, that may not be what you need. You may need to stay up till midnight, but you know you personally want a two-hour nap in the middle of the day. You know, everybody's different, and it's just opening up their ability to recognize what their unique needs are. Do you struggle with self-care and taking time for yourself? Recharge and reconnect with your passion at the Rescue Me Retreat, a four-day, three-night getaway for animal caregivers, volunteers, and activists that focuses on managing compassion fatigue and burnout. During the retreat, you'll be surrounded by a small group of people that share your passion for helping animals. You'll be given a safe space to talk about some of the struggles that are inherent in animal welfare work, plus the opportunity to slow down, relax, and have fun. The Rescue Me Retreat will be held from June 29th through July 2nd on beautiful Lake Michigan and includes healthy meals, nature hikes, massage, group activities, and discussions, one-on-one sessions with compassion fatigue therapist Jennifer Blau, access to the beach and water activities, yoga, and more. Learn more at thecompassionfatiguepodcast.com slash rescue-me-retreat and get $100 off if you register before April 1st. You spend so much time taking care of others. You deserve this. <coughs> Have you spoken with your vet about the Feline Fix by Five Months campaign? Fix by Five is a program to raise awareness about the importance of getting kittens fixed before they are five months old in order to prevent unplanned litters. Fix by Five has now been endorsed by all the major national veterinary organizations. We urge you now to make sure that your vet has this information and is able to share it with clients. To get the full story, check out Fix by Five Months website. Google Fix by Five to get all the information. Again, Google Fix by Five for free vet info packets, media kits, articles, and more. Remember, Fix by Five saves lives. What do you think about either some people will call them accountability partners or 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 just buddies to be able to help support one another in making sure they don't get to a really bad point? I, I think that's a great idea. And, and actually, when I'm even giving workshops to organizations, I suggest and kind of suggest hard, can everybody participate in the workshop? We're not just looking for the people that are out in the field or the people on the front lines or not the managers or just the managers, but let's get everybody on the same page of recognizing this is something we're all going to struggle with to different degrees. And if one person is still in that early, totally passionate, not feeling at all like they're running out of energy, still, if they listen to some tools, they can help somebody else who might be at a different place because we're all going to go in and out of different places on the whole spectrum of stress and depletion. So it's an excellent idea to have a buddy and an even more excellent idea for everybody to be buddies trying to model it or help each other out with that, 100%. And I would assume that that would also impact the the organizational culture. Absolutely, because then we've got not just compassion going out to the cats or dogs, but within each other. And when we are more refreshed and at a good place ourselves, 
natural, better energy flows to the public and to the people that sometimes are quite difficult to deal with. If we're taking care of ourselves, though, it doesn't feel quite as depleting and we're allowed to give ourselves that space so we can hear somebody present to us their problem without right away thinking, I got to take care of this right now. But instead, putting some of that space and then approaching that person with an answer that includes compassion toward them, toward the cats or dogs that they're concerned about, and toward ourselves in whatever that decision might be, which means sometimes the compassionate choice is, no, we're not able to help right now. Why don't you consider doing this, this, or this? So that's all part of this really staying in that flow of greater compassion toward all. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to ask you, or do a little role play here. So what if I am an employee or a volunteer and I refuse to take a vacation? Okay. What would... What would you say? So like, am I, am I in charge of you then? That you are supervising me. So I'm supervising you. It may be, uh, there are a couple of different choices there. And I have worked with different organizations that have handled that exact thing different ways. And sometimes it's just decided that it's required. And so they're just not put on the schedule and they can choose to do what they want with that time. Usually the it's a compassionate approach. We really feel that this is important. So regardless of what you do with this time, we just want you not here for a week or for so many days. So which ones do you want to pick or do you want to think about it? Usually that does work. So it's funny because I actually think in the volunteer world, a lot of volunteers don't think of needing to take a vacation from their volunteer position, especially foster homes. And fostering, I think, can be one of the most exhausting areas out there. And and I think it's it's a 24-7 job. And I think you more than, need more than certainly a two-week vacation during the course of the year. And I just feel that it is very important for any who's supervising volunteers or and employees to you know ensure that they are getting those breaks that they need and with some people some personalities that's very very challenging to make happen yes it gets into the idea where we need to embrace the idea that this being compassionate to ourselves is going to is good for us but not only us it's actually important for our ability to keep helping other animals. It's important for the energy we're putting out there toward the animals. So sometimes when I'm even getting desperate trying to let somebody know why it's important, it's like, this is important for the energy you will have, not only for your human family, because sometimes that isn't enough for people either, but for their animal family. We know how intuitive and sensitive animals are, and they pick up on our energy. So it's really important for us to have the best possible energy. And we will not have that if we are not taking care of ourselves and being being our best for ourselves and showing ourselves compassion. Because 
in order for compassion to flow naturally, it's got to come back to us. So this is just the way it is, is sometimes what we want people to understand. So Linda, I just would like to uh, touch quickly upon your most recent book that you have uh, published called The Power of Joy in Giving to Animals. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about that book? Right. So this is basically a book that looks at the unique challenges that animal people face. And there are some other wonderful books out there in the subject, but many of them are more general. And I have found that there really are unique challenges in the animal world. And there were many, many interviews and by animal people. So a lot of my information even came directly from, from all of us with lots and lots of tools of things you can start to do right now to keep the joy in what we do, that, that original joy that we felt that got us in what we're doing in the first place. If uh, folks are interested in finding out more about the books that you've written and the work that you do, how would they find you? So they can go to my website, which is drlindaharper.com. So it's just the DR, lindaharper.com. They can email me. I also, I do give workshops to organizations and that they can contact me directly. My phone, my email information is all right there on the website as well. And is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? I think you covered it quite well. (laughs) I just, it's a huge topic. I mean, there's so many things that we haven't even touched upon. We, you know, there you taught you facilitate a pet loss support group for the Chicago Veterinary Medical Association, veterinarians, vet techs. Uh, you know, in addition, are are a really population that's challenged with so much going on, and um, you know, it's it's gotten some press recently over the last year or so, but uh, it's definitely up there with the first responder stress and and. And I don't think we ever really thought about that until probably in the last couple of years and some statistics have come out showing what a stressful job it is to be a a vet tech and a veterinarian. So um, I want to thank you for, for working with the Chicago Veterinary Medical Association because I think this is a very important topic. Oh, thanks. So, Linda, I want to thank you so much for joining me today on the show, and I hope we'll have you on again in the future. Thanks very much. I'd love to. The Community Cats podcast will soon be a year old with over 200 episodes profiling amazing people who are all making a difference in the lives of community cats. If you would like to support the show but not be a sponsor, feel free to contribute to our efforts by going to www.communitycatspodcast.com and follow the donate link. Help us to continue to provide excellent programming. 